Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. Thanks, Jay. Hey, great to see you guys again. And um, uh, I want to talk to you, you know, this is, again, this is sort of a foundational time for us as a church. And, and um, you know, I'm going to be teaching one of the classes called Witnessing from Weakness. You know, and we believe here at Image that the only thing that qualifies us to, uh, to minister to other people is our own brokenness. And so, you know, God gave us a great example of that in uh, the first pope of the church. You know, how many of you used to be Catholic? Anybody here grow up Catholic? There's always a bunch of people. And, uh, you know, Catholics and Protestants disagree on, you know, the thing about a pope. You know, um, they think, you know, that there's still popes. We think that, that there aren't any anymore. But we agree, agree about a lot of stuff. But basically, we all agree on this. Peter, the apostle Peter, was the first pope. Uh, Jesus specifically appointed Peter to be the first leader of the church. He was the, the chief of all the apostles. Jesus anointed Peter for that position. Now, the Catholic Church calls that a pope, and they believe that uh, there's a succession of popes. In, in other words, they believe that, that Peter, uh, when, before he died, you know, anointed another uh, person to be the pope, and that that's passed on down for 2,000 years. So they believe that essentially the Pope is, is an apostle. So when God speaks to him, he speaks to the church, and it's, it's like God himself speaking. It's without any error. It's perfect. Uh, you know, we don't believe that. We believe that when the apostles died, there were no more popes. And that, you know, men now who are anointed by God speak. They speak the word of God, but they can make mistakes. And God knows they can make mistakes. You know, because I've made a bunch of them. Um, you know, if I, if I could take back the things that I thought for sure God wanted me to say, you know, that I wish now I had never said, there'd be a pretty long list. So that's humbling. I mean, that's, that's pretty scary when you're, you, know, you stand up to preach the Word of God and you realize how many times you've missed it. It's, it's humbling. But, but we agree on this. God, God very specifically... Uh, put Peter in that position of being the first official leader of the church of Jesus Christ. And what we see is a pattern for how we're supposed to view leadership, how we're supposed to view ministry. And what we see is so different than what we normally think of. Because what we see is a man who was so broken and messed up so badly that you would have to ask, why would God let him lead God's church? Okay, so we're going to get into it, um, and some of these scriptures are familiar, um, but um, it's going to start, I want to show you a little video clip, because it's going to start with what it means to let Jesus wash your feet. Okay, so I want to just show you this, some, some of you probably saw this on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, but let's see if this video comes up. This is, a, this is an amusing way to think about what it looks like for Jesus to wash your feet. What happened? Why are you screaming? What happened, buddy? I need paper towel! For what?
Would you stop it? you but I heard this I've heard this uh, thing about Jesus washing the disciples feet many many times growing up and it and it was always in terms of you know the streets were dusty and you know the people wore sandals so when they got to somebody's house it was just a kind thing to wipe the dust off well let me tell you it's not dust it, it was an agricultural society um, they you know, there were horses, there were not cars, there were horses going up and down the streets. You know what horses do when they need to do it? There were cows going to the market. Uh, the sheep were being marched through the sheep, the, the, the streets to, to get to the market or get out into the pasture. Uh, there was poop all over the streets, guys. And when it rained... It all got mixed in with the dirt. I mean, any of you been to, you know, countries where there's not a lot of, you know, sewers and there's a lot of animals? You know, you, you really don't want to go out there in your bare feet. And you probably wouldn't go out there in your sandals. You know, you'd wear your hiking boots, you know, and you wouldn't take them in the house. You'd leave them at the door. Um you, you got to understand this if you, if you want to get the imagery of what it means to wash each other's feet. In this society, the feet were the dirtiest part of the body. I mean, the dirtiest. If you're thinking of some other dirty parts, the feet were the dirtiest parts of the body. Because you were walking in... You know, you might have left the temple, but by the time you got home... You'd been walking in some stuff. And so, you know, feet washing wasn't optional. It was just a part of basic hygiene. And washing somebody else's feet was nasty. That's what, that's what the slaves did if you had a slave. If you didn't have a slave, you know, you kind of had to figure that out on your own. But, you know, before we read the scripture, I want you to understand how low Jesus stooped to wash his disciples' feet, okay? Let me just read this. And, you know, God had already appointed Peter. Jesus had already said, Peter, you're the rock. And on you, this, the rock... Not, not, was it Peter or is it Jesus the rock? Well, Jesus is the rock, but Peter's the, the human uh, representative for Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving. But Peter, you're going to be the rock. And on you and, and in your confession that I'm the Christ, I'm going to build my church. And, uh, and so in, 
And, and Peter probably, I don't know if he, he didn't completely grasp that, but he got enough of it to know, okay, uh, I'm the man. I'm the man. So John 13 says it was just before the Passover feast and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and to go to the Father and having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone was, was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now, let me just um, stop there for a minute. If, if Jesus had, had said, Peter, I want you to wash the feet of these other people in the room, uh, Peter would have, it would have assaulted his pride a little bit. Knowing what we know about Peter, I think that would have been a hard pill for, for Peter to swallow. But if Jesus said, Peter, I mean it. I want you, you're going to be the leader of my church, and I want you to wash the feet of your brothers here. I believe Peter would have responded to that. Peter would have washed others' feet. But when Jesus came to wash his feet, no, Lord, we're not going there. We're not going there. You're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. You know, the church is full of people who are glad to reach down and wash others' feet. That's not a big trick. Because we feel, we feel big when we stoop to wash somebody's feet. We feel generous. We feel like, you know, we're being good. We're being godlike. And, and I, I would not be hard for me to tell you all, you know, motivate you. Okay, we're going to go out and we're going to wash the feet of the people in this community. You know, you'd say, oh, that's going to be, ooh, that's going to stink. That's going to be rough. That's gonna... But we would do it. I'm pretty sure that most everyone here would say, yeah, I'm in. Jesus says, that doesn't make you a disciple. Being willing to wash somebody's feet doesn't make you a disciple. 
What makes you a disciple is knowing that you need to let God wash your feet. I mean, if we were to do the foot washing thing here, you know, some churches do it. I thought about bringing in a bunch of, you know, little handy wipes and everything, but I thought, well, I don't know. <laughs> now, now, honestly, what would be harder for you to come up here and, and stoop and, and wash somebody's feet or for you to take your shoes off and let somebody wash your nasty feet? <laughs> what would be harder? You know, right? We, it is so important for us to understand this as a church. Because the whole world, the 700,000 people in Duval County that are not in church this morning, are not in church mostly for this reason. They see the rest of us who are in church as arrogant people who don't understand our own mess and think we're better than them. That's why they're not here. Now, there's other reasons, but that's the main reason. They know that we don't know how messed up we are because we talk down to them. When we try to tell them about Jesus, we're talking down to them. When we try to talk to them about holiness, and how they ought to get their life together. We're talking down to them as if our life is together. And that's why Jesus is not attractive to them. Because we're not attractive to them. What would it be like? Some of you were in the, you know, the, the, the thing we did, the LDC back in the spring, where we, you know, we, we were trying to learn what does it look like to witness from weakness? What does it look like for us to, to learn not to talk, but to learn to listen? What does it look like for us to not tell somebody they ought to become a Christian because look what a mess I used to be and look how wonderful my life is now. That's how most of us learn to witness. What would it be like if we learned to say, you know, I was a mess and Jesus found me, but you know what, I'm still a mess in fact, last week, I was such a mess, I didn't even come to church because I was embarrassed to show my face. That's why I'm a Christian, because I'm still broken, and I still need a Savior, and He takes me back. Every time I mess up, He brings me back in to the family. That's why I'm a Christian. <clears throat> you know, people who are completely turned off to the love of God begin to have ears to hear it when we can speak from a place of reality, speak out of our own self-awareness, okay? So this is a story about Peter, the first leader of the church of Jesus Christ, who becomes the pattern for what Christian workers, witnesses, servants ought to look like, okay? And so what happens to Peter? Well, he, you know, this is the beginning of the story, and I'm going to just read a couple more passages so you get the full, you know, it's, it starts with God giving Peter a call. Peter, you're going to be the leader of my leaders. And Peter says, yes, Lord. Now, the first lesson is, Peter, you need to let me wash your feet. Peter says, no way, Lord. That's not part of the deal. I, you don't need to, you, you know, I, I wash your feet, Jesus. You don't wash my feet. 
Jesus says, no, Peter, it starts with me washing your feet. He said, Peter, you're already saved. I've already washed you. But your feet are in the dirt every day. And you need to come back and, and, and be reminded that you need washed and cleaned every day. Okay? Now let's flip over to chapter 18. This is... Um, you know, Jesus is getting ready to, to, uh, to go to the cross. And um, verses 17 and 18. Before that, um, um, I don't know if I have it here. But Jesus says, um, um, guys, um, first of all, remember in the garden when they came to get Jesus? You know what? Remember what Peter did? He he brought a sword, man. He was going to fight. He was going to defend Jesus. Cut off the servant's ear, and Jesus, you know, put it back on. Said he said, Peter, that's not the way we win. You know, we don't win this battle with with swords. You know, we, we're still trying to figure that out in the church. You know. you think we're going we're gonna to win the world to Christ by becoming Republicans or Democrats, you're wrong. Jesus is above politics. Okay? Remember Jesus said, he said, um, it, it, let me just tell you this. Like, it, he said his disciples, they're eating, and he says, he says, tonight, one of you is going to betray me and the rest of you are going to deny me. And Peter said, Lord, not me. He said, I will die for you, Jesus. The, the rest may all deny you, but I will not. I am the leader of the church. And I will not deny you, Jesus. And he was willing to die for Jesus. You know, he drew his sword in the garden. But then you know what happened. You remember Jesus said to him, he said, Peter, not only are you going to deny me, you're going to deny me tonight three times. You know, how many of you are baseball fans? Remember Babe Ruth? You know, you don't know him, but you know about him. You know, he not only would hit a home run, but before he hit, before he hit the home run, he would point to the part of the field that he was going to hit. He would point to the wall, said, see, it's going to go right, he, the pitcher. See right there? Left center, that's where it's going. I'm going to hit it right over that wall, right there. And darn if he didn't do it. He would hit that pitch over the wall exactly where he said he was going to do it. Well, that's kind of what Jesus is doing here with Peter. He said, Peter, not only are you going to mess up, but you're going to mess up tonight, and you're going to deny me three times. Okay? So let me, let me just tell you this story. So the scripture's up there. But this is uh, three times that night, while Jesus is, is bound, being beaten, Jesus denies that he even knows, Peter denies that he even knows the man. Once to a little servant girl. Peter is a, he's scared. Courage is, is lost and, and fear has taken his heart. And, and the little girl said, hey, didn't I recognize you? And, and she, he says, I never even knew the man. Three times that night he denied Jesus. Okay. Now, now I want to fast forward to John chapter 21. This is after the resurrection. 
and um, verse 15. When they, had finished, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is the first time, you know, Jesus has been fa really face-to-face -to, -face to talk to the, to the guys. He's appeared before. But this is, he and, he and Peter haven't had this conversation yet. So Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Remember he said, these may all desert you, Lord, but I will not. So he says, he says Peter, now do you still think you love me more than these other men? Well, Peter avoids the more than these and just says, yes, Lord. He said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said to the, this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Okay. Now, I want you to just, I'm just going to briefly summarize this, okay? Um, Your, your walk with Jesus, your call to serve Jesus as a Christian, there, there are two follow me's, okay? The first one comes when Jesus finds Peter in, in, the, in the fishing boat, mending his nets by the Sea of Galilee, and he said, Peter, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. And Peter, to his credit, dropped his nets and followed Jesus. Okay, that's the first call. That's how you become a Christian, okay? What follows the first, first call is, is commitment, sacrifice. Peter left his nets. He left his fishing boat. He put his family in a hard place. He asked his family to sacrifice for this ministry. And he followed Jesus, and he risked everything, and he slept out on the, under the stars many nights, and he... He was in the band of warriors with Jesus, going where Jesus asked him to do, doing the hard things. He, he was committed. He sacrificed. A lot of you, you know, maybe that's where you are. You've heard Jesus say, follow me. And you know he's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the, he's the Messiah. And you have followed and you've worked hard. But, but then comes the disillusionment. Okay, there's the call, there's a commitment, and then this very, very critical piece. If you're going to be a real warrior for Jesus, you will hit this wall of disillusionment. Now, you're disillusioned about many things. Uh, people that you thought were, were good turn out to be not so good. Leaders that you thought were honest turn out to be dishonest. Um, there's a lot of disillusionment in, in following Jesus, but the, the biggest disillusionment and the one you must face is the disillusionment about yourself. Okay? Being committed, being sacrificial, 
You know, Muslims are committed. They're sacrificial. Hindus are committed. Buddhists are committed. You know, Christians don't really outshine the religions of the world in our commitment and our sacrifice. Not at all. But this, this is what makes the difference between Christianity and every other religion. It's the disillusionment. You hit that wall of, you know, I, I, thought, I thought I was redeemed. I thought I was a new person in Christ. I, I thought I was doing this for the glory of God. And then you hit that wall of brokenness. And you fall on your face and you don't, Lord, I don't even know what part of my service was real. Was it really for you or was it for me? Was it feeding my own pride? Peter had to hit that wall. And when did he hit that wall? Well, when Jesus said, Peter, now I know you've worked hard. I know you've given up a lot. But Peter... I need to wash your feet. Peter said, no, Lord, that was a long time ago. Jesus said, no, Peter, I need to wash your feet right now. And I'm going to need to wash your feet every day for the rest of your life. It's not that hard to surrender to Jesus if you feel like you can leave your past behind and you're going to be good and never hurt people anymore. You know, because you can start new and, and from now on, I'll be, I'll be respected, and I can respect myself. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. But your feet still walk in the, in the yuck every day. And you hurt people. When you're trying to help, you hurt. And what equips you to be a real follower of Jesus and to serve in Jesus' church is knowing that you still hurt people and knowing that you probably don't even know how. Humility is not a step you take on your way to serving people. Humility is what God calls you to live in. Brokenness, woundedness. The only thing that equips you to, to bind up somebody else's wounds Spiritually is, is knowing your own woundedness, your own brokenness. So following the disillusionment is the restoration. Now Jesus says it again, follow me. And can you see the difference between the first Peter and the restored Peter? He said, follow me twice. The first time it's follow me and, Jesus, and Peter says, yes, Lord, you're the king, you're the Messiah. I'm all in. I give up everything for you. The second time, Jesus says, Peter, follow me. And Peter says, really, still? Even now? Lord, you know I don't deserve this. You know I've disqualified myself. You know I can't do this. And Jesus said, Peter, get up. It's not about you. Follow me. Okay. Now, which, 
Which one of these, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, would you like to be your pastor? Which one, which one, 1 Peter or 2 Peter, do you want to send to your unsaved friends to tell about Jesus? It's not a hard choice, is it? Which one do you wish your godly father was? Your godly grandma. Which one was she? Which one do you wish she was? Which one do you want to be? Okay. Now, now here's, here's the hard part. That second call, follow me, that now Peter receives it in full humility, full brokenness. This wasn't the last time he would fall. Remember in Galatians 2, verse, verse 11, Paul says to the Galatians, you guys remember when I had to rebuke Peter to his face in front of you? Because he was eating with the Gentiles, but then when the Jewish leaders showed up, he left the Gentile table and, and, and wouldn't eat with them. I remember Matt preached on this last fall. He left, he left the Gentile table when, the, when, his, when his Jewish peers came in the room. What was that? It was cowardice. He did it again. This time he wasn't denying Jesus. He was denying his Christian brothers. I mean, this is, this is the most difficult part of trying to serve Jesus is realizing I, I still can't do it. Man, when am I going to get it right? When am I going to stop being a coward? And, and, you know, and, and Jesus says, when you get to heaven, you're doing better. <laughs> you know? And, 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 guys, do you know what brokenness is? Brokenness doesn't mean you don't do it anymore. I remember, I remember I was in a small men's, uh, you know, morning breakfast Bible study, and, and one of the guys came in and he, he said, oh, man, God has delivered me from my rage. He broke me. He, he's forgiven me. I'm clean. I, I feel so wonderful. You know, I said, I said, brother, let me help you understand what brokenness is. You know, what happened to you this week is real. You met Jesus. You felt a conviction like you've never known for your age. It's your wife and your kids. And God has freed you and he's forgiven you. It doesn't mean it's never going to happen again. It means when it happens again, it, you're going to see it more quickly. You're going to hate it more than you've ever hated it. You're not going to do it as often. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're never going to do it again. And as soon as you put yourself in that category of, I will never do it again, the next thing you do is you pretend when you do do it. Right? Because you don't have any other category. And that's when the church of Jesus Christ begins to stink like hypocrisy. When we have to pretend we didn't do it. We have to pretend to ourselves that we didn't do it. Okay. Now let me just, you know, we're, 
Why are there so few people in the church of Jesus Christ who actually move out of their brokenness? Why are there so few? Well, first of all, most of us have never tried hard enough and been committed enough and sacrificed enough to even be broken. Very few of us have ever responded to Jesus' first call in our life with the dedication and the commitment that Peter gave. So when you fall, you're not broken because you never tried that hard. I'm, I'm just being real here. You don't experience brokenness until you have given it everything you've got. And then when you fall, you are really disillusioned. You are broken with disillusionment. It's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Okay, that's the first problem. Very few in the church of Jesus Christ are as committed as a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu or even an atheist. Atheists are at least committed most of the time. Very, I mean, really. The church of Jesus Christ has become so lukewarm. Okay? That's, that's where it starts. It starts with giving everything. Okay? The second reason there's so few is because very few of the disillusioned ever get back up. Okay? Those who have given it their all and hit that wall of disillusionment, brokenness on their face, I can't do this. Very few of those ever get back up. They just stay in their cynical, disillusioned self. Put themselves on the bench and the coach is saying, okay, buddy, get back in the game. And it's, no, I might mess up again. I might drop another pass. I might miss another tackle. I'd rather be on the bench. And Jesus comes to the broken and the disillusioned. He said, it's not about you. Feed my sheep. I mean, I, I just want to tell you, I've had one of the most disillusioning, you know, last couple of weeks that I've had in a long, long, long time. Things that I thought were pretty, pretty good shape just came pouring out of my mouth again. You know, a counselor looked me in the eye and said, Chuck, that was venomous. I don't know what other to tell you, but that was venomous. There is a contempt in your heart that is scary. You know, and then I, I had a couple of other appointments to see people and I said, God, I don't want to do that. And Matt had just asked me to preach. I said, and I said, God, I don't want to preach now. I don't want to preach. And God said, I know, just do it. Because I want you to. And, and it's the almost amazing thing. I mean, that I could still sit with somebody and, and listen and just be there and, and, and for some reason it helps. I don't get it. All, all I know is that there's too much going on to stay on the stay on the bench. And if and if I stay on the bench, it's not because I'm humble, it's because I don't want to be humbled again. 
right? Not just mind being humble. We just hate being humiliated. And I don't know any other way except to just keep walking out of our brokenness. Right? Now, you know, this, this is, I mean, this course I'm going to teach, Witnessing from Weakness, some of you have been through it. That's all this is. What would it look like for the church of Jesus Christ to be an army of witnesses that really are moving out of their own brokenness? It would be amazing. Okay? But it's not just how we witness. It's how we serve one another. It's how we show up to a house party. It's how we shepherd each other in a house party. It's how we raise our kids. If, you, if your kids knew that you really believed you were the biggest sinner in the house, oh my gosh, it would be different. Your marriage would change forever. Okay? It all starts with this brokenness, this disillusionment, but then hearing the call again in your disillusionment, Peter, follow me. Follow me. Feed my lambs. It's not about you. It's for others. Okay? Now, now just as, as we close this, I want you to think about this. <clears throat> Jesus, the God of the universe, got, came to earth. He had to kneel. He had to stoop. There's a psalm that says he had to stoop low to raise us up. He had to stoop so low to come to this earth. But then on this earth, he gets down on, on his knee in front of these dirty feet disciples. And he said, now let me serve you. Let me wash you. And I just had this picture the other day of me, you know, sitting in an office with a counselor and my wife. And her just trying to, trying to interrupt my rage. And she stooped down to wipe my feet. And you know what I did? I kicked her right in the face. Not physically, but it, it had been kinder if it had been. <laughs> I didn't want the police coming. But, but I'm telling you, it wouldn't, it, would, it wouldn't have been any more evil if I had actually physically kicked her. And I've done that for 41 years with the same woman. And I think, how does, she, how does she stay? How does she continue to speak softly to me? And I say this respectfully by wife, but that's nothing compared to what I've done to Jesus. Jesus still stoops to wash my feet. And how many times do I just kick him in the face? Say, no, God, I don't want to go there. Okay. Now, now, where are you? Where are you? Have you felt the call? Maybe, maybe you're not a Christian yet. This is what it looks like. I'm not going to BS you. This is what the path looks like. It's the most wonderful thing you can do with your life ever. You'll be in heaven forever. You get to be part of bringing other people into eternity with you. It's the most wonderful thing you can ever do with your life. But don't, don't think there's not going to be a disillusionment. There is. The point is, that's not where you stay. That's where you really hear the call. And that's where you can begin to really love people. Okay? 
So as you come, would you just, you know, Jay's going to come up and close this, but, you know, I don't care how many times you've surrendered, would you just surrender again? Let Jesus wash your feet today, and then ask him whose feet you want to wash, okay? God, help us, and thank you for, I don't know how many times we can kick you in the face, and you come and stoop and wash our feet again. But evidently, you'd never give up. And we thank you and we praise you.